Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. All right. Hey, everybody. How are we? Yeah, amen, amen. I'm Jerry Ann. Um, it's good to be with you tonight. And uh, you want to have some fun? Y'all ready? Are we awake after that? Okay. Um, man, I, I just love there that he's saying that because the second verse says there's an army rising up. And it's one of my favorites. When we would, When our kids were little, we used to sing that and they used to scream out, that's us after every time. And so that's how I was singing it. There's an army rising up. That's us. That's us. You know, how you carry the presence of God is so important. How you carry the presence of God is so important. You know, the people could tell that Moses had been with God. Right? When he went up the mountain and he went down, he had to put a veil over his face. Um, they could tell. And in Joshua 4.14, it says that the people stood in awe of Joshua just like they stood in awe of Moses for the rest of his life. Why? Because of how he carried the presence of God. And in Numbers 14, 24, it says, Caleb, he's going in, he's going to see the promised land. And it says, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. And it goes on to say his descendants shall inherit it. But I love the sentence. He had a different spirit because we are called to have a different spirit. Did you know grumpy is not an aspect of God's nature? Or fearful is not an aspect of God's nature. And when I was praying for this time tonight, I kept going back to the question, what sets us apart? What sets you apart? And I think more than ever before, we can clearly see the difference between churches that are asleep, that are made up of man-made systems and traditions with no breath, no life, like Pastor Mark ministered on Sunday, and then churches that are truly awakening to all God is doing in the earth, and they're saying no matter what, we will be a part of this move of God that's happening now. And there's a big difference. I was at a conference a few weeks back, and the minister said that churches have ministered to the soul of a person and not the spirit. And if you minister to the soul, all you're doing is causing people to feel things. And he made this statement. He said, we've sowed into people's souls as ministers, and then that's what we reaped this past year. And you can see that in churches now, that their number one priority is for you to feel safe and feel comfortable and I love that at our church your comfort is not even on Pastor Mark's radar except maybe the chairs he did mention the chairs right he but do you know what is on his radar how to help you live by faith like the word of God says that you can live so I'd like you to think with me in these next 30 minutes about what sets us apart and what sets you apart? How is your life different? 
So this isn't a pastor thing, a pastor Mark thing. Um, oh, the pastor is set apart. Ephesians makes it very clear that our position in Christ, that we are seated with Christ, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, that our life should be distinguished and marked, and the difference should be astonishing. So I want to go over things that you will need to be set apart. And all of these things build upon each other, and it's not an exhaustive list. I think I have 30 things, and I'm going to maybe share four or five. I'll just bring up the ones I'm supposed to be bringing up. Amen? Because we want to be set apart, right? And the first thing that you will need to be set apart is you will need the Holy Spirit. You will need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You will need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You will need to have the fruit of the Spirit. You will need to pray in the Spirit. You will need to yield to the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Mark is going to be teaching on this in the weeks to come, and you're going to want to be here for that. But in the move of God that's coming upon the earth, and there is an unprecedented move of God coming upon the earth, this will be the initial or the foundational way in which a believer is set apart. So hearing the voice of God, moving in miracles and signs and wonders, seeing the unexpected and the unusual is all a product of life in the Spirit. And it comes out of this place of intimacy and relationship and connection and trust. In Romans 8.14 it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so I know you've heard me talk about up here before Holy Spirit resets, which is the moment where Holy Spirit changes your thinking. But that's only possible when your heart is open to listen, right? It's only possible when you're surrendered and when you're ready to receive. Even with our kids, we pray, God, that our hearts, and we talk to them about how important it is to keep our hearts soft, we want our hearts soft toward one another. We want our hearts soft towards God. You know the parable of the wheat and the tares? It says that they grow up to get, let them grow up together, right? Do you know why? Because when they've grown up, when they're mature, you can tell the difference. And what happens is the wheat is full of reproductive seed. And so it bends low. And the tares stand straight and tall and proud. Because they're empty. And so the wheat is set apart. A life yielded to the Holy Spirit, it's going to bend low in surrender. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit directs and resets and guides and leads and comforts. I know we know this verse in this house, so I'm going to read it from the Passion. And it's Romans 12, 1 through 2. And it reads, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. So surrender yourself. Bow low. Allow the Holy Spirit to instruct, to reset, to guide. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. What does it say? It's saying be set apart. In the message, it says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And that's going to empower you to be set apart. Now, we were, um, Garrison was playing with another boy the other night. And when I put him to bed, because that's the time where they need to talk for two hours. And so I talk for one and another and not for two hours. But he was pouring out his heart and he made the statement, I, I don't think this little boy has a good life. Um, I want to give him my life. Which Gerson has a tender heart anyway. That's just him. That's who he is. And so um, I just asked, well, how come, how come you think this? Or what's going on? And uh, basically it got down to, well, I just feel, I feel that. And so it was like, man, buddy, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just highlight people that, that he places on our heart so that we can pray about. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to pray for him. So I'm like, okay, you do that. Put him to bed. Okay. So the next morning he got up, the first thing he said is like, I spent 10 minutes praying for him because um, he has, they got new alarm clocks and um, they check the time. And so I guess he had been checking the time on that because he spent 10 minutes and then he's like, but then I didn't know what to say. And I'm like, oh, buddy, you know what to do when you don't know what to pray about. And he goes, I sure do. And then he just runs off praying in the spirit because he know he's set apart. He's set apart. In 2 Corinthians 3, 7, it says, talking about Moses, even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet, how much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us. It's distinguishable, and it doesn't fade, and it sets you apart. You know, in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, Paul's talking here about ministers who would carry letters of recommendation wherever they go, and they present these letters, and this is how they're qualified. And Paul is saying here, we don't need those letters. You don't need them. For our very lives are our letters of recommendation, permanently engraved on our hearts recognized and read by everybody. Do you know what he's saying? Set apart so that everybody sees and they go, oh, wow, the kingdom of heaven, it looks just like that. It goes on to say, as a result of our ministry, you are living letters written by Christ, not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not carved onto some stone tablet, but on the tablets of tender hearts. When your heart is soft, it's easy to hear what God is saying. And then it reads, it ends with, our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. So a person who is set apart is going to yield to the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing would be, a person who's set apart is confident in the report of the Lord, which will always require faith. Y'all doing okay? All right, you got the two? Yeah, Natalie, you got it? All right. Let's turn to numbers. Let's go there. Numbers 13. And this is a passage we know well here. Numbers 13, 1. 
And so that reads, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So right here, this is the report of the Lord. The land is theirs. The land belongs to them. Everybody with me? You have the report of the Lord. We all have the report of the Lord. It's right, it's right here. Almost tripped, and that would have been a great story. Right? It's right here. We all have it. We all have it. And you will find within this every single thing that you need to fulfill, every God-given assignment that God has placed on your life to fulfill. And so in Numbers 13, it reads, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. It's theirs. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So again, Moses is sending out leaders. In verse 2, it says, All of the men were heads of the children of Israel. So let's jump to verse 27, and that's when they come back to Moses and Aaron. And that reads, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. The report of the Lord looks different from what you can see in the natural. It will always look different. That's why it requires faith. And we see Caleb here. He believes in the report of the Lord. He believes in the report of the Lord. He's standing on the word of the Lord. That will always set you apart. And people are either going to be drawn to you or absolutely repelled. Because we read later that they want to stone him. And so Caleb believed the report of the Lord. Whether that's the promised land where only Joshua and Caleb believed. Or every promise written in Ephesians. We have the word of the Lord. And if you live yielded to the Holy Spirit. He will begin to confirm and direct and guide and lead. Because we were meant to have the word of the Lord for every situation. You know, with the kids, when they come to us and say, hey, what do I do about this? I don't know. Or usually it's like a bad word. Can I say this word or can I say that word? And we're like, ask the Holy Spirit when it's not like, I I meant to say, or I was going to say when it's not serious things, but I guess we should tell them to ask the Holy Spirit on serious things too. But I remember JL came to me one time and she's like, hey, can I say holy cow? Is that a bad word or can I say that? And I remember just saying, well, I don't pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to get them to realize that we want to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We want to live a life yielded to Holy Spirit. When you have the report of the Lord, nobody can take that from you. All right, number three. If you yield to the Holy Spirit, if you're confident in the report of the Lord, you'll know what battles to fight. All right, there's this quote I love from Lord of the Rings, and Aragon says, open war is upon you whether you risk it or not. And there are battles today that we are supposed to fight to lead the charge that the church has been silent on for years. And we've relied on our man-made systems, and we've talked about how to be relevant and how to share our faith. What about just live it? What about be the person with the most hope in the room? 
It is time to live and demonstrate. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's the word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword, not our knowledge or our talking points. Open war is upon you, whether you risk it or not. And there are battles today that we are called to fight that the church has been silent on for years. One of those battles which our church is taking head on is preaching on the Holy Spirit. And it's not shying away from what the Word of God says, even if it makes you uncomfortable. One of those battles is sex, which I know for those of you who've been at the conference, I love to preach about. And I've found that it either brings freedom or they're instantly offended. Did you know that sex is from heaven and not from hell? Did you know that God created sex? Are you all with me? And so what happens is the world perverts sex, right? And we see that. But yet the church has been silent in the face of absolute perversion and dysfunction and evil. Why? Because that's what religion does. Religion shames sex. But the kingdom of God celebrates sex. And the very place we need to be talking about sex is in our homes and in our churches. You're like, what battle is that? That is the battle of healthy family. It's the battle of healthy sexuality. Where there's no confusion and there's no shame or there's no dysfunction in Christian homes. Or secret nights behind a computer screen. Where the purpose of God's beauty and design in the home is taught and it's celebrated. Man, that's, that is worth fighting for. That's a battle worth fighting for, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Even if it makes you have to face past pain or trauma, it is a battle worth fighting for. And so there are battles that you will take on individually, personally, related to your God-given callings and assignments. And we should all be in faith battles right now unless you are stagnant or satisfied or not set apart. And there's something right now that God's called me to do, and in the natural it looks crazy and it doesn't make sense. And it takes me standing on the Word of God day after day after day, and there's a work involved. And one of my favorite verses for months now has been in Joshua, and it says, And the manna ceased. And I love that verse because now all of a sudden in promised land living, they're standing in faith. And it doesn't mean that you're just standing around and you're waiting for for manna from heaven. No, you're sowing and you're planting and you're harvesting and you're reaping. And for me personally, I'm researching and I've got advisors around me and great people of faith to speak into me on the days when I forget or the days when I can't. I've started a new company. I have people all around me telling me the word of the Lord. In the promised land, they go from waiting on manna to fall to partnering, to working, to stewarding, to participating. And so the kingdom demands participation. Religion piles up excuses not to do anything. So religion doesn't set you apart. It sets you aside, useless for kingdom advancement. It's one of my favorite sayings that I say this all the time, uh, but I grew up hearing the church say, we're waiting on a move of God. No, I am a move of God. 
And so I'm building myself up. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm reminding myself of the promises of God. I'm waiting on instructions from the Holy Spirit. Just like in Joshua, after they crossed over, it says they waited on instructions. So if I see you and I pass you and you, um, what would be something really mean? Um, So if I see Natalie and she passes me on the street and she rolls her eyes, that's not a battle I'm fighting. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's not a battle I'm fighting. It's not worth fighting. Um, I bless her. I bless you. I bless you. Natalie would never do that. Um, But I don't have time to fight that battle. There are strongholds and patterns that need to be broken generationally where you will have to stand and and decree the dysfunction stops with me. It ends with me. That's a battle worth fighting. The wrong battles are the ones against, well, she said this or he did this and it hurt my feelings and now I'm just so offended. That's the wrong battle to fight. Ephesians 6.12 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In the passion, it says your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. So my sister and I, we have this saying because we talk every day, and we can tell when we're, when we're upset, right? You can tell with your family. And so sometimes she'll say, well, what's wrong? Or I'll ask her what's wrong, and we have this thing I, I can't share with you. And we know that means that we're not allowed to. Holy Spirit says, no, we cannot share. Um, You know what that's essentially saying? It's the wrong battle. And I'm not going to bring it up to stir it up inside me or so that you can feel sorry for me or tell me that I'm in the right. That's why feeling sorry for yourself will always be the wrong battle. There are no victims in the kingdom of God. And now in, in our culture where every... Everyone's a victim. We need to get this. You want to be set apart? Kingdom thinking? It has to replace worldview thinking. It has to replace the wisdom of man. If not, you will live in an inferior kingdom. If not, you'll live thinking that a piece of cloth across your face is saving the world. Worldly wisdom can't sustain kingdom promises. How are we set apart? A person who is set apart, yields to the Holy Spirit, is confident in the report of the Lord and knows what battles to fight. Nehemiah, he didn't come off that wall, even when his critics asked to meet him. Why? Because it was a distraction and it would have been the wrong battle. It would have taken away from what God wanted him to do. So let's go back to Numbers. And at the end of Numbers in chapter 13, 31 and 33, you read the exact opposite of having confidence in the report of the Lord. And then let's skip over. Yeah, by Numbers 14, we read in verse 1. Let's do that because of time. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Am I at the right place? Yeah. And... All the children of Israel complained. If you are complaining, you are fighting the wrong battle against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in their wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? 
So they said to one another, let us select a, a leader and return to Egypt. It's the wrong battle. And so now they're fighting with each other. There's a battle in their minds because they're whining and crying and tormented because it didn't look like they thought it should look. In Judges, there's this interesting verse because it talks about how in Joshua, they didn't drive out all the pagan nations. And it reads in Judges 2.23 that this was on purpose. And it says, therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out completely, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. And then in Judges 3.2, we read why. And it says, this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formally known it. And this is key when talking about the battles to fight. If you don't fight, someone will. And what happens here is they set up another generation to fight the battle that they should have fought. And that is why I'm so fired up about healthy family. There are things worth fighting for. That's why we're preaching on Holy Spirit over and over again. And this was understood in the Old Testament. It was highlighted in the New Testament when Paul said, our battle's not against flesh and blood. And then in 2 Timothy, when he said, I fought the good fight, he calls it good. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. One of my favorite verses in Matthew says, heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And in the, uh, the passion, it reads, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. What are you fighting for? Because it should set you apart. All right, are we all right? Maybe I'll get to four things. One more? One more, okay. Let's go to Numbers 14, starting with verse 7. And this is when they tear their clothes. So Caleb and Joshua, they tore their clothes. And it says, they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out as an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. And I love here that Caleb and Joshua did not battle their own people. They chose not to fight their own people. And nothing they saw in the natural could move them off what they said. And so when you know what battles to fight, you're going to focus in on what God is doing and what you're supposed to do. And distractions are seen for what they are, and then you take the land. And that'll be the fourth thing and the last thing tonight. We didn't get to 30. A person set apart takes the land. If you know what battles to fight, you'll take the land. Each one of us has a word I like to use. It's called territory, and we all have territory. Actually, one of the definitions for territory is domain, and so we all have it. Ter well, first, territory in our minds, and then territory in our homes, in our work, in our individual spheres of influence, like the Israelites who were told to go in and take the land, take the territory. It is what you are fighting for. And it's connected to your God-given assignments and destiny. It's connected to your inheritance. And territory is all about advancing. No matter how things look, the sky is not falling. The kingdom of God is advancing. 
in Numbers 14, 24, it says Caleb is going in. I read it at the beginning to see the promised land because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. And the verse goes on to say, and his descendants shall inherit it. Territory is never just about you. It's about legacy and inheritance and those that come after us. It's about advancing. It's about promised land. It's about taking back what the enemy stole from you, from your family, from your region. That's why advancing in your God-given territory will always release breakthrough. This is Proverbs 21, 22 in the Passion, and it says, A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases regional breakthrough, bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. What you carry, how you carry the presence of God will release breakthrough. How you carry the presence of God is so important. We're meant to live, a, live set apart. Your life is such a big deal. It, it, it is. It is. We are meant to live set apart. I was, the other day, J.L. had said something. You know, we pray for, we pray for our kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live in all that they have access to and, and know who they are. And we've, one of the things that we prayed for is supernatural encounters in our home. And we have seen that this year, just like Pastor Mark is preaching, the unusual and the unexpected. So much so I had to go to him and say, I don't know about this. Can you tell me? Uh, and so JL said something or shared something with me the other day that God was showing her that was so powerful and outside my box of thinking. And I looked at her and I said, JL, you are such a wonder. You are such a wonder. And I was with, a few months back, I was around this table of, of fearless leaders for the kingdom. And they are in the trenches. And uh, someone looked at another person and they said, uh, you are such a wonder. It, Nancy, it was Nancy Vu, and she's bringing the kingdom of God into the fashion industry in L.A. And he looked at her and he said, you are such a wonder. And it got me to thinking about all of us. And I was thinking, I, a few months back, I watched my mother-in-law preach. And I sat back the whole time that she was speaking. And I just thought to myself, she's such a wonder for the kingdom of God. Meg and I were talking about you, Diana, uh, this week at the pool. And we were talking about how when you hug someone, you make them feel home. You're such a wonder for the kingdom of God. We could go through every single one of us. We are called to be wonders for the kingdom of God. So that people look at me. They look at my faith. They look at my endeavors. They look at my adventures. They look at my businesses. They look at my family and they say, wow, the kingdom of God looks just like that. Just like that. If you're sitting here thinking, well, that's not, that's not me. I'm just getting by. You need to change the way you think. You can't change the way you live until you change the way you think. And if you're thinking, that's not me. That is a lie from the enemy. You are a wonder for the kingdom of God. 
Because we were meant to be set apart. We were meant to live set apart. So that the whole world looks and they see and they marvel and they say, wow, what a wonder. What a wonder. This week, as you go about your day and your work and your life, as you interact with your friends and your family and your co-workers, I want you to think, how am I set apart? How am I a wonder for the kingdom? I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Show me. Show me that. How do I carry the presence of God? How do I carry the presence of God? We all carry the presence of God differently. Right? Right. Yes. That's why I love hugging. And somebody else in this room is not a hugger. We carry the presence of God differently. Ask it. Ask Holy Spirit. How do I carry the presence of God? Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.